I'm Kristen Ludlow from NBA Inside Stuff, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. Hello, you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. This is Dave Fraser, your host for today's show. Uh, I'm joined by Mike Miller and Alex Cole. Hello. Hello, everybody. And we're going to just talk about a few of the, the things now that the, uh, the, the regular season's in full flow. We're a couple of weeks in. Well, more than a couple of weeks in now. Um, we've got a few uh, questions from, from Twitter uh, users as well. So we'll be touching on those later on. But to start off with, let's crack on with the uh, NBA Sunday's kind of league pass game, BT Sport game, whatever you want to call it. And that's the uh, Portland Trailblazers versus the Brooklyn Nets. So let's start off with that. Who wants to jump in? Let's not all go at once then. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was disappointed when I saw this was the matchup, which might surprise some people, just because I find that, um, particularly because the skid that the Blazers had been on and the fact it's the Nets, you've basically got two of the worst defenses in the league going head to head, and uh, yeah, I just I just couldn't get into it as much as I would have hoped from a. Um, from a from a Sunday game, which was uh, annoying. I mean, I watched it all; it's fine, but it just didn't. It didn't have the sort of attraction that some of the other Sunday games we've had has, have had for me. It's Black Friday this week, and I felt like we got forty percent off. <laughs> wow! <laughs> it, um, yeah, it, it was all right, as you say, but not the best. Well, I, th- I think Mike's hit the nail on the head with that game, um, saying that, you know, two of the worst defences. Um, when you look at the Blazers, they shot 57, 58% on the game, um, which is extraordinarily high from the field for an entire game and 42% from, from deep. So that says that there's a, a definite problem with, uh, Brooklyn's lineup, which we all know anyway. It was, uh, it finished 129 to 109 to the Blazers. Very high scoring game. Uh, from the word go, really. Um, two, as you say, two two teams that are shooting the three-point shot a lot this season. Blazers just, just had too much for the Nets in the third quarter, started to pull ahead. Yeah, what surprised me most about the Blazers is, uh, I, I don't know how, like I said, I don't know how much they can take from this win because they slipped against the Bulls on Monday. They lost to the Rockets. They lost to the Pelicans, which is just almost unforgivable at this point. Um, and then... I don't know how much they can take out of getting this win to suggest that maybe they're getting back on track. It was good to see so many of their uh, players in double figures and they actually got some bench production this game. But to me, it's still just, it's the Nets. I can't get excited about it. I think I'll be more, <clears throat> I'm more excited about them getting back on track if they can beat the Knicks, purely because the Knicks have won four at home and they've got them tomorrow, I think. Um, but even then, I'm not, I'm not, that sold on the Knicks either at this point in the season. So it's, it's, I don't think Portland are, are playing to the potential they have or as well as they played last season. And <coughs> I think they might get waxed when they play the Cavs later this week. Well, I tweeted that this game was almost a must win for the Blazers because, as you've said, they haven't really been living up to their expectations recently. Uh, but they came out and they got the job done. <coughs> they some good bench scoring. Uh, Evan Turner saw a lot more of the ball than usual and he was really productive. Um, it was his season high for minutes and points. Uh, CJ McCollum was, was amazing. Uh, 12 from 18 from the floor, 33 points for him. Um, six from nine from deep. As we say, you know, high three, three point shooting team. Um, that was a tie career high for McCollum. Um, and he hit that three, which uh, went off the backboard twice, which was just... <laughs> oh, the one that rolled along the top. That is a shooter's roll, that is. Yeah. And uh, I, one thing I would like to point out, first possession of the game, more or less, Damian Lillard with an amazing circus shot. He was falling over. Yeah, he was more yeah. or less horizontal, and he flicked it up, and uh, and he got the and one as well, followed, followed it up with a free throw. Do you, know, do you know what I got from the first, well, the opening possession of the game? It was a backcourt violation by the Nets and it was this like inexplicable um, move by Booker. He picked up a loose ball and then as he went to pass it, he stepped back over the half court line. And I looked at it and went, oh, you know what? Maybe 2K is not that stupid after all. <laughs> that's the only other time I see it is when you're on 2K and you try and do something like that and you just, your guy steps out. Ridiculous. Yeah, that's, some of the errors uh, from the Nets 
just about sum them up. I mean, I, I'm, I've been reasonably impressed with the Nets this season. Me and you, Mike, said we were going to boycott the team completely this season and yeah, not watch did. them at all. Um, <laughs> they've been okay. So four and nine now after after last night's result. And um, yeah, just defensively, they, they were just allowing too much. They weren't covering the perimeter and they're all swarming defensively and just, just allowing too many open shots. I think one of the biggest things from the Nets was they weren't really rebounding particularly hard, I don't feel safe. I mean, defensive uh, pressure is one thing, but if you're not going to attack the glass after after a missed shot, I mean, obviously there weren't actually as many missed shots as uh, as normal for the Blazers, but I mean, Trevor Booker's is starting power forward, um, as well as he played offensively with 7 of 9 and 16 points, he only got four boards. Um, Brooke Lopez is starting centres now, just basically giving up on playing Ds, just shooting threes, and he only got six rebounds himself, so um, is there anything in that? He's, he's uh, well. I'm going to save my comments because I know there's a question about. Brooke. Yeah, we'll touch on <laughs> touch on Brooke <laughs> later. But it's <clears throat> it's quite interesting to see some of these these big guys who who are shooting threes now trying to uh, you know these traditional back for basket centers like Lopez and like Gasol, and they're trying to now uh, evolve and, and add a three point shot to their game. It's quite. It's quite cool to see it, like a guy his size and who you've never seen it from before just pulling up from from outside and, and training it. I, I quite like the fact he's shooting it, to be honest. Yeah, and Mark Gasol was doing the same as well, hasn't he? This season he hit the uh, the game winner the other night and walked off like uh, Conor McGregor for that <laughs> flappy arm celebration. And um, I think that says a lot about the way the game's going. There's always these talks, and there's always on 2K as well about you know the death of the back to the basket big man. But players like Al Jefferson have really struggled this year, and he is your your old school centre. So um, it's good to see them transition towards the future, but um, you can't, you can't give up on that, that side of the game altogether. I don't think just yet. Sure. Yeah. There's still a need for big men without a doubt. And the idea of small ball is somewhat misleading in my mind. Um, But the role of the big man has changed dramatically now. Cause like you say, it's not plodding back to the basket. You need to be able to, to be able to have a, be a threat from outside, you need to be relatively mobile so you can go out and defend threats from the outside and still get back and help. Um, so I think we're going to see these lumbering bigs sort of phased out and we're going to get sort of more of your uh, sort of Rudy Gobert <coughs> sort of bodied players you know, become more prominent. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, before we leave this game, because there's not an awful lot to say about this, we've got a lot to get through. I want to hear from Alex about Anthony Bennett because you just love to bring him up. So I'm going to get in there before you. Well, I'm glad you asked, David. <laughs> AB, AB came on uh, to get some garbage minutes at the end, handful of minutes, went to the line a couple of times. Missed um, an awful lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, an offensive rebound in there. No, good to see. He got he got three offensive boards from, uh, from what I've got down here, which uh, isn't half bad for six minutes of action. Gorgeous. Well, perhaps, but I, I was just saying they're short on uh, rebounders. Why not just get Bennett in there, give a lot of energy, a lot of hustle, not an awful lot of offense like we expected. He missed a three-pointer as well. There you go. Big man shooting threes. He was the only, uh, he was the only net in uh, positive on the plus-minus, though, to be fair. <laughs> he was plus three. You're not wrong. Mind you, Rondi Hollis-Jefferson broke even. So can we call that positive or is that just uh, uh, is that neutral? You've got it different to me then. I've got him down as minus oh, two really? for Ronde and, and plus oh, one really? for Bennett. So uh, we'll, we'll oh, call well. it neutral then. But he was the only one in positive figures. Well, there you go. Uh, so moving swiftly back to Bennett's first team, the Cavs. Um, let's talk about how Cleveland have got on this season so far. Obviously off to a very hot start. Um, I'm intrigued to hear what you guys think. Are they just riding a wave of confidence from last year or are they genuinely going to go the course of the season and defend their title? Do you want to hit this, Al, seeing as it's your uh, your team? Sure. Uh, for me, there's no, there's no question in they're going to end up number one seed and likely, I say likely, um, 90% sure they're going to reach the NBA Finals. What is their competition in the East? I mean, the Hawks, yes, they're having a good season so far and they're a slightly different team with Dwight there. Um, the Cavs have swept them two years in a row. 4 0 in, in the playoffs at various stages. Uh, the Raptors, uh, now the Raptors is, is an interesting one. They've dropped slightly in the standings, but still a very good team. And what I feel the Raptors have lacked in, in recent years is just that kind of X factor and that superstar. 
Now, we, we spoke about DeMar DeRozan last week in, in detail. If he keeps up that form, he could be that superstar and give them that slight grit that they need, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Who, who's going to compete with them out of the East? Um, for me, it's a combination of they are that good and they are that confident riding on the wave of last year. Their, their big three are all putting up 20-plus points a game. and LeBron's almost averaging a triple-double, and this isn't even a, a focused and, and ready-to-go LeBron that we'll see sort of later in the season. I think their 10-2 record is great, but I think it's a little misleading. Um, admittedly, it could be more than 10-2 than because when they played the Pacers, LeBron didn't even suit up, and I think he would have been a difference maker in that one. But they've not really faced any of the big guns out of the West, and I think that's really where you're going to sort of test their championship merit there. I think their first one they've got is December 1st against the Clippers would probably be the first big, big game. But out of the East, I don't see anyone touching them. Yeah, I think you've you've, um, you've nailed it, though. They've played 12 games, 11 of them have been from the East, um, and they've also played eight of their 12 games at home. So whether the numbers are somewhat warped is up in the air, but 10 and 2 is still a good start, particularly when um, 2 through 5 have all won 6 and lost 4 of the last 10 games. So they are showing a lot more consistency than the Hawks, Hornets, Bulls and Raps at this, at this stage. Yeah, I think, barring any injuries to, to the big three, I mean, that will really make things interesting. Uh, let's face it, LeBron never gets injured, so it'll likely be one of the other two. Um Hopefully, you're touching words. words. Fatal last words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see. But for me, yes, number one. If we're going to talk Cavs as a legitimate title contender, uh, which you know they are, as Mike uh, touched on, you know LeBron tends to go into kind of playoff mode um, for the postseason. So it'll be interesting to see just how much better he can get and the Cavs can get. But who is their biggest rival for the the, the title? Not just in the East. Obviously, uh, the Warriors are same as last season, going to be up there. But what, what do you make of the Clippers, Spurs, and such like? Clips for me are the team right now to watch. They are absolutely surging. For me, they've got a traditional sort. Of, well, yeah, traditional lineup as opposed to this small ball that we see from the Warriors, which is it's almost refreshing. They, they're the sort of team that I can see giving Cleveland issues with their size. But then, even I think Cleveland are flexible enough to deal with small teams as well because look what they did to the Warriors last year and I think the Warriors have given up too much defensively for for an incremental increase on offense so I you know they're the they're the two from the west for me that are looking like they're going to come out um and I think there's no one in the east that's going to touch the the Cavs well Mike and I are all in on the Clippers as we discussed last week but let me tell you the Golden State Warriors have just moved into third gear and they don't look like slowing down They've really got their form together. I think, as Mike was saying, they have given up a lot defensively, even in shipping off uh, Boga for Petulia, who's uh, all about rebounding, passing, and not so much playing D. Um, they they did win, but they shipped 121 points against the Bucks, um, who's are not particularly well known for their offense. So that's I think that will be their Achilles' heel this year, their defense, and that's where the Clippers may have an edge. What about the Grizzlies as well? I mean, I'm not necessarily saying they're a contender for the West, but they are eight and five on the year. They've won their last four, and they've limited teams to about 84 points per game uh, over that run. So is that you know typical Memphis brand of stifling D? Uh, is that enough to get them deep into playoffs? I, th- I thought this year was going to be the year that the Grizz really sort of just rolled over and died. And and they've just Fisdale's come in there and he's just he's got the team shooting from outside, like you said earlier, Gazole hit the three uh, to mm. win the game against the Clippers. If they if they can maintain the level of defence we've become accustomed to and now become a decent scoring team as well, then I I'll be eating my preseason prediction, which I think had them seventh seed. I think they'll I think they'll be top top four if they carry on yeah they're the same team they always have been that consistent team but with Chandler Parsons now they've added that outside shooting and that athleticism and excitement um interesting to see him stare down uh Cuban the other day after a made free um at the Mavs yeah I'm still not big on Parsons I think he's too too injured too often he's just not consistent and I almost think they should prorate his salary because I don't think he's going to get <laughs> if you work out his minutes per per dollar I bet he's on an absolute wedge because he's not going to play half the time I, if he if he could pull it together then yeah but I, 
you know, you've got a guy with a surgically repaired knee and I think he's out again now with a bruised, yeah, bruised left knee or something like that. So I can't see him being the X factor for him. I do like what, what they're doing though with this spreading the floor and we've had a mini Vince resurgence, which is always good to see. I think I had them sick to finish the season and, uh, they'll always cause teams, um, some problems in, in, in playoff matchups with their good defense and their gritty, gritty work rate and their, their inside presence. But, for me, they're not contenders now. I think they, they've got a bit more potential if and when Parsons comes back and, and, and is fully fit. Because I think even the games he's played, he's only touched about 20 minutes a game, sometimes less than that. Um, and like I say, he was back for about three games, was rested for one and had a bruised knee for another. So I think they might not see an awful lot of him until gone Christmas. But I'm intrigued to see if that will give them an extra push because you can't deny he is a very, very talented player. He's a 6'10", small forward who can shoot threes. So that's that's a good asset for any roster, particularly one that's renowned more for, for defence than offence. So I'm not saying they're contenders, though. Not yet. But, you know, contender possibility in the East. Let's see what you think of the Chicago Bulls, who everyone had written off pre-season, myself included, and looking reasonably good, wouldn't you say? They are. I had them to win 47 games, I think, pre-season. So I was one of the few that didn't write them off. I wrote them off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I wrote them off. I've, you know, and they're making me eat my words. That's that's fine by me. I th- I thought after they went three and zero, they then slipped three games again. And I thought, here we go, this is this is it. Um, but they turned it back around, and they're 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 one of the top re- rebounding teams in the league. They're just they're still sort of twenty fourth in the amount of three point attempts they take. So they're not sort of following the the league trend of, of, of chucking from deep, but they are absolutely just dominating teams on the glass. And when you've got guys like Taj Gibson and, and Robin Lopez, those kind of hustle guys just really get a team going. Butler's been playing out of his skin. Wade is is playing well. And Rondo, even when he, you know, you don't need him to score. I think he got four points last night, but he added nine rebounds and 12 assists, which is just ideal because what, what else do you need him to do? Yeah, I mean, Rondo's averaging roughly, if we're going to round numbers here, seven, seven, and seven points, assists, and rebounds. That's kind of a very, very mini Russell Westbrook, just kind of doing a bit of everything. Um, so long as they can get the ball to Jimmy Butler right now, they're going to be okay. And that's what Rondo will do. So, yeah, for sure he will. I mean, I'd like to speak about the dynamics of this team for a little bit. And this year it's changed. You've got Jimmy Butler is the number one guy, and you've got someone... In, in Dwayne Wade that's happy to hand the keys over but if you're going to have anyone as a number two D Wade has got to be the perfect guy I mean he, he's good enough to be a number one on a, on another team for example the Nuggets were were recruit, trying to recruit him heavily in the summer if he was there for instance he would definitely be the number one guy whereas with the Bulls Jimmy Butler has that free reign and he's getting better and better this season he's really he's really taking it upon himself and yeah, you got Wade. Wade sat out last night and they still won, which is a good sign. Um, and as you mentioned, Mike, Taj Gibson and, and Lopez are, are playing really, really well. Just they're the perfect role players. Lopez is averaging a double double, um, over the last five games and is, is performing miracles on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, it's just got really good dynamics. Um, I feel like they almost took it to heart, uh, when everyone were, we're uh, underestimating them at the start of the season. Uh, and fair play to them. They're looking good. They're exciting to watch as well. Yeah, what you what, just want to touch on what you said about um, Jimmy being the, the franchise player. That was one of my biggest concerns is that you had uh, three guys, and I'm, I'm including Rondo in this, who are just, who are just alphas. And I didn't, I wasn't sure they could coexist. Uh, but they, they are, and they, they've sort of, no one's tried to sort of intrude on this being Jimmy's team. Um, and he sort of ripped that mantle from Rose last year, or maybe the year before, actually. It's, it's just good to see that some players can take a backseat. They don't always have to be the, the number one guy. They can, they're happy to sort of compliment other guys as well. Yeah. And, that, and that's the difference between Wade and, and Rose. I don't think Rose was quite, is, or still is quite ready to give up that number one. Hmm. spot on a team even even at the Knicks um, whereas D Wade has got to that age now uh, and he's kind of had a little bit of practice with LeBron on the heat kind of giving him the number one spot um, and he's just he's complimenting Jimmy Butler perfectly 
Uh, and as we spoke about the start of the season, Rondo and, and Wade's uh, outside shooting, um, their three-point percentage has, has come down, has dropped to what we'd expect. Um, and they're still winning, which is a good sign. Yeah, I mean, that said, Jimmy Butler's taken three and a half, uh, on average, three points a game and shooting at about 42%, which isn't isn't too bad. I mean, if you're ever shooting over 40%, you're doing something right. But he's what is good about Butler and taking over this number one mantle, if that's what we're going to call it, is he's, he's getting 25 points a game. He's going for nearly seven rebounds. He's getting players involved with four assists. He's getting to the line nearly 10 times a game. Um, he's doing a bit of everything on offense. And um, I think that's um, that's definitely good for them. Um, to be, to be doing a bit of everything because like I said they do have some other offensive deficiencies in that roster yeah it's good to see him becoming a threat from outside as well because there were there were jokes pre-season about their combined three-point percentage so it's it's good to see him booking that trend uh, and he's obviously focused on that in the off-season um, I think he's a legit superstar and if he, he you know this is his team it'll probably go as far as he can carry them but he's had <laughs> Is, is he going to be able to take them anywhere near the Cavs? No, not really. Fourth seed, if they finish where they are now, I think that is more than an achievement for the the team that missed the playoffs last year and just for what everyone thought this team was capable of in the preseason. Yeah, great. That would be a great season um, and a good chance this year to mature some of their younger guys on the bench because they do have quite a young, a promising bench. Um it's a credit to how good they've been so far that Denzel Washington, uh, Denzel Washington, uh, <laughs> Denzel Valentine, sorry, um, <laughs> that's uh, amazing. Has, hasn't seen too much of the floor because he's a he's a great player. Yeah, and you're right about their bench. They're very young. They've got Bobby Portis is 21, I think. RJ Hunter's only 23. They're not seeing any minutes really at all, are they? No, and Miritich and uh, Doug McBuckets and uh, Jerry and Grant. They've they've got a good. Bench. It's good to hear you calling Jerry, and because uh, uh, you definitely told me the other day you thought he was Jeremy Grant. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know there was two of them. Didn't know there was. I think there's more than two. You know. Yeah, there's a third one. I think. Yeah. I always just presume they were the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> you see Jay Grant on the box score. Um, so with the Bulls, obviously we've talked a lot about their their backcourt, Butler, Rondo, Wade. Um, how much, just really quickly before we move on, should we talk about their big men? Obviously, you've mentioned Gibson and Lopez, but how big a role are they playing? And not stat sheet stuffers, but is the role that they're playing kind of behind the scenes um, crucial for them? I think it is. They set the tone. They're, they're these blue-collar hustle players that become fan favourites, and they're just relentless workers. Uh, something we've seen from Gibson for the past few seasons in his role off the bench. Was, and people said, you know, this guy should get a chance at starting. And he's, you know, he's only got that chance because this team's completely different to what it was last year. But he's an absolute beast. He's, he's super athletic and he, he, he's just aggressive. Whereas Lopez is not super athletic, but he has got great footwork. And again, he, he's, he's, he just runs. He, he's in, great condition. I always laugh when he runs because he's got a really weird <laughs> running style but he is constantly running end to end and he's always looking for sneaky little um, you know, being able to tip the ball out of uh, the rebounder's hands, things like that. He's he's just tenacious and I think that sets the tone for everyone else and when you've got a, a hustle guy like Jimmy Butler as well, I think that just sort of you know flows throughout the rest of the team. That's why we see an engaged Rondo as opposed to Dallas Rondo or something like that. Uh, so they're not star players as we know, but one of the questions we've had on Twitter is who are the best big men in the NBA? So while Gibson and Lopez not, might not be in that conversation, who is Alex? Let's start with you. I'm not going to say he's the best big man in the NBA, but he's certainly up there and he deserves a shout out for a recent achievement. Go on, Andre say Drummond. <laughs> Andre Drummond, sorry. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> Uh, Andre Drummond uh, this week passed Shaquille O'Neal as the fastest player in NBA history of 4,000 points and 4,000 rebounds. That's wow, a that's great a great start. start. Yes. And I heard it and thought, wow, that is... Uh, yeah, he's slightly, slightly under-talked about this this, um, this season. Not really been spoken of too much, but um, he's a class player now and he's a very solid NBA player. Yeah, I think he's still leading the league in rebounds. He's an absolute beast. Yeah, he is, and it's it's translating to to the Detroit team, who with Van Gundy has have a really solid team now. And uh, I think in general, they're 
not spoken of enough, really, or that haven't been this season. But um, he's a major part there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think what what takes him out of the conversation as being the best big man ever is just his limited offensive game. That that you know he's taken sort of eight foot away from the hoop, maybe even six foot, and he. <laughs> Is is not so much of well, he's not he's not really a threat, is he at this level? I think for the best big man in the league, you're sort of looking at Cousins, Davis, and I'd stick Towns up there as well at the minute. And then so other, than, other than Drummond, they're the three I've got written down. Uh, yeah, I, I've got um, Griffin in there as well as a, as, a, as an extra, but uh, Cousins and Davis for sure. Yeah, I never I never like, and he should because Blake's huge, but I never think of him as being a prototypical big guy. Either it was just weird because he he should be in that list because he is an absolute beast and he's he's probably having his best season ever. But if when whenever it says like the best big man, my my mind automatically goes to those three and sort of current stats wise, it's Davis potential and frame. I'd go with Cousins because he's just so physically imposing that I think that alone is half the battle. And then just for future potential, you've got you've got Towns who's just ridiculous and he's only you know a few games into his second season yeah I, I agree I'll, I'll speak briefly about Cousins first as you say there the frame and potential and talent um, and the guy that posted this question to us uh, is a good guy called Danny who's a massive Sacramento Kings fan and he's probably a little bit tired of uh, hearing this about Demarcus Cousins but um, for me the talent is certainly there uh, the attitude isn't um, and until the Kings become a legit team, a playoff team in the NBA, uh, I won't class him as the best big in the league. But then the same can be argued about AD. So. Yeah, that's the thing. Those two guys, well, yeah, those two guys in particular are on losing squads and the Wolves aren't much better in the minute. But to me, Cousins' attitude, though it's not acceptable, is largely uh, a result of the situation he's in. I think he's just frustrated with with how things are going, and he'll never say it, um, you know, out, outright and in public that he doesn't want to be there. But I, I don't think it's a fit for him. And if if they don't trade him, which I think they're going to have to, I think the hand's going to be forced soon. Then I would be very surprised if he didn't walk away after. Um, I think I can't remember if it's this summer or next summer. He's out of contract. I think it's next summer. Um, I, I, I would be surprised if someone. Resigned to continue being in that that sort of franchise in that particular state. It just to me, that would just be that's a sign that you don't want to win. That you're quite content just being a a guy who turns up for 82 games and, and collects a check. Yeah, agreed. And I think that's when we find out if he really is the best big in the league. Yeah, because in all honesty, the talent is probably there for him to be the best player out of this group that we're talking about. Yeah, agree with that. Um, could you say the same with Davis? Although it's not an attitude problem, he's as you say on a losing squad, but he is putting up about thirty points. I don't know twelve boards. He's getting kind of five, six steals and blocks a game as well, um, quite regularly. Uh, at the maybe not overall, maybe not potential wise. Although you could argue that is he the best right now? This this very moment. Yeah, without, without a yeah. doubt, right right now, he's the best, and he's. he's putting up the numbers just unfortunately he seems to be <laughs> the only guy on the court for most of the time because the, the rest of the, the guys aren't aren't following him up and it was it was you know I know, I know I think we said last week that um Drew Holiday was coming back and we, we sort of pondered whether he'd be in game shape well his first game back he hit 21 so that shut us all up um and the next game as well yeah well so if now he's got some support maybe we'll start seeing them climb off the bottom um i think they are they're what 10 and 4 maybe they're, they're second bottom anyway they're just ahead of dallas they're they're not in a good place how long he will tolerate that level of of mediocrity i don't know i was thinking this when i was listening to last week's pod uh, which was yourself and alex again you missed Tyreek Evans. Now, he could be a massive player for them. If you've got Davis playing power forward centre, um, Drew Holiday putting up, I think he's averaging 21 and 8, small sample size, but from those two games. And then if you put Tyreek Evans at shooting guard, small forward, it, that, that looks a lot more healthy to me. Do you think they could... Is that playoff 
candidates, such as like when they, they stole eight seed from Thunder a couple of years back? Yeah, I was thinking about that very season. And I mean, it's not far off. and we That's definitely something we could see. Um, and without digressing too much, I know the uh, the GM survey a couple of years ago had AD as um, the most likely player uh, to build a franchise around. Um, and for me, he remains that. As much potential as we see with Anthony Towns and as much talent as he's got, AD, for me, I would build a franchise around him. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But just to jump back to Tyreek, I've I've given up on him completely. Oh, have you really? Yeah, he's too inconsistent for me. He he's a tweener between a, a two and a three, and he he's just not he's just not showing. Like, he's sporadically fantastic, but it's sporadic. I'm interested to see how he comes back because I've always been quite high on him. I think he he's quite good um, handling the ball as well, and that often means that Drew can just kind of get in position and shoot um, or, or you can reverse the roles and you've got AD who can shoot from more or less anywhere I'm quite excited to see him back I certainly think if not a starter which I think he will be he'd definitely be a good role player um, talk about Davis as the player to build around it kind of brings us that brings us quite nicely onto the Mavericks who have for God knows how long built around Dirk but it's not working out so well for them this year what's the reason for that? Age Absolutely, hundred percent age. Novitsky is he's getting to the point where he should have like a long white beard and a staff. He's just uh, <laughs> he's thirty eight. He's not Gandalf. He, he's 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 get, well. Look, the dude, the dude's thirty eight, which is in in basketball years is basically Zimmer frame. yeah Zimmer frame. He's he's been out. He's returned to basketball activities now, but he's got these Achilles injuries. That's not the sort of thing you want to hear. Let's just think back to two years ago when Kobe went down with his Achilles. You don't want to push it too hard. He's your main guy. He's getting 25 mil. Last year for me, he was fantastic. He, for his, for his efficiency for the minutes he played last year, he was still a 50, 40, 90 guy and he was still a legit threat. Now, another year older, another year slower. I, I worry that they're going to stick with him too long, like like the Lakers did with Kobe. It's so interesting that you mentioned Kobe because I've written down in my, in my uh, pre-pod notes that I think they're going to get a lot better when they get rid of Dirk because they've built around him for so long, a la Kobe. And look at the Lakers this year; they've absolutely been thriving with their young uh, young roster. So I wonder if it'll be the same in Dallas. They've got pieces there. It's funny that you mentioned Kobe and Gandalf in the same conversation because Gandalf actually got that expression from Kobe. Oh, dear goodness me. Oh, it's almost like we rehearsed that. Um, <laughs> we didn't. Uh, no, we didn't. I promise didn't. to the listeners, we, we really did not. I had no idea that was coming. So thanks, Alex. <laughs> that, that scares me, that does. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, so, so Dirk, yeah. If, if, you're the, if you're in charge of the Mavs, would you, like, at what point do you sort of draw the line on this, this relationship? Because he's got another year left after this season. So another year of 25 mil and another year of him getting older. But it's a, it's a team option. So at what point would you just pull him to one side and say, look, Dirk, we love you. We're retiring your jersey. You're going to have a statue. We'll make you a team ambassador and pay you an undisclosed amount that doesn't come under the salary cap. I'm, I'm going to have to stick up for them here because Dirk's only played three games this season. And that's the worry. Mm. Well, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think you're right. I think it's got to, I think if there is ever a time for them to look at it and go, yeah, maybe we should consider it. It's now because of the Lakers and the way that they've thrived post Kobe, and just because he's played three out of the twelve games, um, he hasn't shot particularly well in either of those games anyway. About thirty-five uh, percent, roughly. Um, not really up to scratch, and I think it sums up their roster really well. Only four players have played in every game uh, in their fifteen-man roster because of injuries. You know that includes you know Wesley Matthews, who's been pretty poor. Um, this season, JJ Barea, Darren Williams, Dirk himself. Um, you know, that's, that says a lot. So that's yeah. the angle. That's the angle I'm going to go with. Um, just a quick one on Dirk there. It's Dirk Nowitzki. As long as he doesn't ask for too much money next season, um, I'd like to see them offer him maybe a one or two year contract. He's, he's still under contract. He's still under contract. Mm. 25 oh, mil. For next season? Yeah. All if right. the team picks up as option anyway. Yeah, so it, that, that's my... I mean, if you could renegotiate with him and get him to take less again, 
yeah, fine, bring him back in a, in a more limited role because they they I've I've looked at their uh, their payroll. So next year, the only players coming off that are worth mentioning: Boga at eleven million, Darren Williams at nine million, who I'll get onto in a minute because he's another guy who's who's old. That's why his hamstrings aren't holding <laughs> up on the court. Other than that, there's nobody over half a million salary that will still that that will go. So they're they're locked in next year as well. So if they can't renegotiate and lower Dirk, they've got room for one more max salary, if that. And going into yeah. the, and they never have much luck in in the off season anyway. So it's how how are they going to reinvigorate this team? For for me, that's the difficulty. And I, I, I bash Dirk, but I I do love Dirk. I think he's a fant- was a fantastic player. I just it's getting to that point now where they're trying to hold on to him being the franchise player and it's to the detriment of the rest of the team. Yeah, and you, I think you might have hit the nail on the head there with the age thing. They're last in points per game uh, and offensive rating. Uh, they're just not getting it done on the on the offensive side of the floor. Um, this is their worst start since some point in the 1990s. I can't remember exactly what year. Um, the injuries are thick and, coming thick and fast. Um, both Darren Williams and JJ Barea, their they're one and two point guard um, combo is is out. Um, they're playing a guy called Jonathan Gibson at the moment, a rookie who's uh, he's played pretty well. He very well, yeah. He's played mm. all over the world, but um, I mean that goes to do, do they need some youth because he's come in as a young younger guy, um, and yeah, it's it's bad having you, having your starting point guard injured, let alone your, your backup as well. Yeah, they played Seth Curry quite a lot at point guard as well this season, and he's—I think of him more as an undersized shooting guard. Um, yeah. But desperate times, Beret is out again now. Uh, he'd been quite good up until this point, um, but it's not just a point guard. I, I, I've been thoroughly underwhelmed by Harrison Barnes and Wesley Matthews this year. Well, I, I think Barnes has been their one bright spark so yeah. far. Where's Matthews just shot badly though? Yeah, I was, I was surprised you're underwhelmed with Barnes because he's been. They're, 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 well, he, he's been their player this year. He's the only guy putting up decent numbers, really. So, what, is, is there something specific like, is, and actually, maybe I'm just, I, yeah, people who listen regularly will know that I am a massive Barnes fan. So maybe I'm, I'm looking through, uh, Tar Heel tinted glasses or something, but I think he's doing really well. Well, no, because you are talking to two fellow Tar Heel fans, and uh, I do have a, a soft spot for Harrison Barnes. But I, and he has played every game. He's been shooting quite nicely, but I think at times he's trying to take over a game. And I, I just don't think he's that kind of player. If, if your go-to player, your star player is Harrison Barnes, um, as good a player as he is, I, I'm sorry, it just doesn't quite do it for me. That's a fair point. I I, I agree that he's not um, a what like a a number one player for a team, or he shouldn't be a number one player for a team. Um, and it's even though he currently is, <laughs> even though he currently is. Yeah. But that, that this is, this for me, I, I love the way he's playing in terms of the numbers he's putting up, but there is a part of me that's, is this just a guy putting up good numbers on a bad team? And I think he's getting some kind of, uh, just, just because the rest of the roster is is not pulling their weight. He's getting a boost there. Yeah, I, yeah. I think you both make good points there. And they're, they're, over the last five games, they've averaged over eighty points as a team, um, which isn't going to win you many games. Uh, and I probably, unless you two have got anything else to add, um, end the discussion on <laughs> Dallas. Um, their next three games are the Spurs, the Clippers, and the Cavs. Yes, yeah, so, so that's that's mm-hmm. still going to be only two wins by the end of that. <laughs> yeah, Pray for Dallas. So. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, All right. Well, uh, on Alex's request, we'll move on from Dallas. Um, it's another interesting question we had on social media was, who is the unsung hero of the season? This is this is the sort of one that's always very interesting because there are hundreds of players in the league and you could go for more or less anyone. Um, so I'm intrigued to hear what you two have gone for. Let's start with Mike. Uh, so the guy I've gone for has actually fallen off a little bit since the start of the season, but I'm going for TJ Warren in Phoenix. Who yeah. Is, who's just a couple of... Well, a week or so ago, he was averaging sort of 23 points a game. He's now dropped back down to about 18. But for me, in his third year, he's stepped up and no one saw this coming. Um, 
Not even Ross. Not even Ross. <laughs> I mean, he's still on a, a losing squad that are just, you know, they're probably going to be lottery bound at this rate. But he is, he's, he's stepped up. He's, he's sort of taken some of the pressure away from Booker, who I think started the season a little bit slower than was expected, but then has now picked it up and is the leading scorer. Uh, but for me, it's TJ Warren. Yeah, I agree with you, but I, I think his numbers have been slightly dented by the fact that he missed most of the game the other day, possibly against Philly, I think it might have been, because he, he was ill, and he played for nine minutes, put up two points, there was two ill to play on. Um, I'm sure uh, MJ, with his flu game, would have something to say about that, but <laughs> that, 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 that doesn't help his cause, and he, he's missed all the games, possibly one, maybe two games since then because of it. Uh, but absolutely, I, no one saw him playing this well. Um He's he's been superb for them this season, putting up good points and rebounds. Um, let's see who Alex has gone for. So yeah, I've got one from the east and one from the west. Uh, but my my main pick is uh, Tim Hardaway Junior. Uh, from the Hawks. That's interesting. Great start from Atlanta, uh, and Hardaway Junior. showing flashes of his old man there, his papa. Uh, <laughs> So he started the season with 21 points on the first night and uh, followed up with numerous good performances, uh, including 26 points against the Lakers. Um, but I just feel like, as far as the team is concerned, they really needed a guy, um, the Hawks this is, needed a player who can come off the bench and score quickly. Um, and they've got Bazemore now who does that to an extent. Um, but Tim Hardaway Jr. is is you know almost a perfect bench player. Um and just the perfect guy that can can come and give you some some fast scoring. He's exciting to watch as well. I, I think that's a good shout because you're you're right. He is you know thirteen games in, started zero games. He is that he is that dynamo off the bench who's fourth in the team on scoring. And it's uh, I I kind of I I feel sorry for for guys who come in with dad to have played or because there's always that. I mean, other than. Curry and maybe Thompson, even and even Clay Thompson's dad was, uh, I think he was a number one draft pick, and the, the pressure must be like really hard. Can you? My, I know my dad would just shred me every week if I wasn't as good as him. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. There must be um, a lot of pressure on your shoulders if, you, if you've got to live up to that. But you know, he's as you say, Hardaway's doing quite well. Um, and I can't see that many people have made comparisons. Same with Larry Nant. Nant's actually at the uh, Lakers. Not many comparisons to the old man. Uh, who's your Western guy? I'm interested, Alex. Uh, so out west, I've got a Mr. JJ Reddick, who me and Mike spoke quite a lot of depth about last week. So I won't go on about him too much. Um, but basically, the third top scorer um, on a very good Clippers team, uh, and he is doing exactly what they need to be done of him. Um, and as Mike said last week. He just seems to be all over the floor, uh, never stop moving, and that's been very integral to their their Clippers' good start so far. Yeah, I mean they've the Clippers are the perfect team for Reddick because he he kind of bounced around the league for quite a while, uh, including some very unsuccessful stints, including my Bucks. I might add, not a lot of people remember that, but he's he's on a perfect team for what his skill set is, which is shooting a lot of threes, bringing a lot of energy. Um, he has been good and there hasn't been a lot of, um, he hasn't had an awful lot of, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, hype around him this year. No, it's, it's, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Reddick fan. I used to hate him. I think that's the time he outside of me, but I, I, I've grown to appreciate the amount of work he puts in. Um, he, you know, it's a contract year, so maybe that's got something to do with it. It might just be the, uh, the fact that this, this Clippers team is, is firing in all cylinders um, and everyone now knows their role and, and sort of knows that this is it really for them. If they don't, if they don't succeed, they're, they're not going to be the same team next year. Half the squad won't be there. Um, so maybe that's part of it, but he's like, well, I can't say enough about the dude. He, for an undersized, under athletic um, shooting guard, he, he does incredibly well with the, the skill set he's got. Yeah, two good calls from Alex and um, a very good call from yourself, Mike, because I was going to say TJ Warren myself, um, which is, I'm still, I'm quite, I had this written down. I'm not sure what to say or not because it seems a bit daft, but as an unsung hero of the season, I'm going to go with Kevin Love because I just don't think anyone talks about him anymore as much as they ought to because he, 
he came from being, you know, the main man on campus in Minnesota and then came to the Cavs and suffered loads of criticism. And now he's having a good year. Everyone seems to have just forgotten about it. Well, I think that's a great pick, Dave, and I'm glad you mentioned him. Um, and part of the reason why people aren't talking about him is because he is playing so well, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd agree with that. The minute that you see his numbers drop or the Cavs start losing three or four games on the trot, which I'm not saying they're going to do, you'll probably hear that, oh, Kevin Kevin Love's broken again. Uh, we need to trade him. Um, but he's he's had a really tough couple of years in Cleveland just into – this is a guy who's come from, like you say, he was the, the main guy and he's had to adjust to being the third the third best player on the team effectively um, when he's coming into his sort of peak years as a player. And that's got to be tough for anyone to, to deal with, but that's the sort of sacrifice you make if you want to be on a winning team. And he's he's done it, and this season he seems to be reaping the the rewards from it. He's averaging over, he's averaging double double, and he like twenty two and eleven or something like that. Yes, that's exactly what I've got written down. And he's he's just a he's just a great player. Like he's still a top, probably a top ten. Well, definitely a top ten. Probably a top five power forward. Still a, a great rebounder. Still the, throws the best outlet passes in the league. And now he's rediscovered his shooting form as well. Um, I mentioned this last week, but I'll happily talk about Kevin Love again. Uh, Tyron Lewis using him really well this season. He's getting far more touches inside under the basket, um, where I think he really belongs. Uh, Blatt had a tendency to leave him just hanging out on the perimeter for the whole game. Um, and I think his confidence is building. Uh, well, it would after the championship, but he, he is being treated as one of the big three this season as opposed to two and a half and him being the half. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd agree uh, to, to an awfully high extent that he is being played a lot more as a big man rather than the black style to stretch the floor, Kevin, because he's, he's playing a lot more efficiently. He's still shooting quite low as, you know, by power forward standards, but he does shoot the three um, more often than most. Um, I'm glad I went for love because that sparked a bit of a, a bit of a, yeah. a debate. It, it, the, the one thing that I always caveat with Love is that he he has a particular skill set. Oh, I almost went into um, a taken speech then, but uh, he has a particular <laughs> skill set and uh, very particular set of skills. Yeah, and it it's it always intrigues me as to how that he's the kind of guy that gets exploited in specific matchups. So it'll be interesting to see how they play, how much they play him in the regular season games against the Warriors, and whether they try and keep him out on the floor um, against these small ball lineups, or whether they just do as they've done in the past and, and send him to the bench and go with a smaller unit because he, he is he's great at what he does but as a limit to what he can do agreed and I don't think there's anything wrong with that particularly I don't think you can have the the all-round greatness you know kind of player all the time and he has got a very very particular skill set as you say um but they've got plenty of players in, in the roster that can come in and, and change the dynamic like Tristan Thompson to come in and play play minutes if if needs be, or you know they can go slightly smaller ball. They've got decent uh, perimeter defenders if need, like Shumpert. So um, I think they've got enough in their roster to not have to worry about playing him for thirty five mm-hmm. minutes every game. Um, and maybe that's why the pressure's off a little bit, and he's putting up such good numbers. Stunned silence. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. lovely. <laughs> uh, okay, well look, we had one more question uh, from social media before we. Uh, should probably wrap up the show. Um, it was, if you had to pick one of the Lopez brothers, would you go for Brooke or Robin? Is um, this in a fight or to go on a, in a relationship with or to have on an NBA team? I, okay, well, look, all three because I've got the same answer yeah. for all three. Are we playing Shag, Marry, Avoid? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Not, not quite. <laughs> oh, damn it. That's what I've got written down. Sorry, guys. Well, that, that's why I opened up the question with who would you have in your team? So who would you have in your team? Um, just for a bit of um, a backstory, obviously, I th- personally, I think they're very different players. Um, Brooke very much focused on offense. He doesn't get many boards, but he's got this three-point game now. He's always going to score 20, 30 points a night. Robin is lucky if he scores 10, uh, but it will also get some good rebounds and bring a lot of hustle and tenacity and an odd running style. So, Mike, who would you go for? I'm picking Robin every time. I, wow, okay. I will Woo. pick Heart and Hustle over a seven footer who can't grab a rebound every time. Like not you, even a, you can get me twenty even, points, but if you can't if you can't rebound for me and you're my, my biggest player, then you you're no good to me. 
And I'm not even considering how many times Lopez has, has broken. I'd say he's no good to me. Don't get me wrong. If, if I get a chance <laughs> to play him play on my team, I'd say, yeah. But if I had to pick between the two, uh, and that's not even factoring into the the equation that Lopez is, well, Lopez Brook has uh, had so many injuries over the years with his feet and legs that, that I just yeah. don't want to go near that. Uh, just for a bit more context as well, actually, let, let's let's suggest that we're building around this player because obviously the argument would always be, oh, you'd pick the one that your team needs most, the offense or the defense. But if you had to build one around this center, Alex, I'm, I'm assuming from your reaction you'd take Brook. Yeah, I wouldn't build around either of them. Um, uh, for the record, I'd marry Robin. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would definitely have uh, Brook in my NBA team. I think even building around them, I would I would still pick Robin, just because he's 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 good at passing and he hustles and and there are plenty of guys in the league who can score that don't need to be in the paint. That's so that that just yeah, but yeah, that's my opinion. Who who's your choice then, Dave? Oh, well, I mean, I was coming into this thinking quite convincingly it'd be Brooke. I just think he's been a, a much better player for so long. But you're right, he. he does suffer from from injuries and having all these these foot injuries of recent years not helping his athleticism his ability to grab boards but he's compensated by adding a three I think in his entire NBA career before the season he'd only made four three pointers he made that in one game early this season and I think that that kind of shows to me that he is more hard working than people give him credit for because he's gone away in the off season and he and he's and he's worked on on one of the most difficult parts of the game um, but that said you're right you do need a player who's going to bring hustle heart and the ability to beat up mascots so therefore you go for Robin <laughs> I love the beat up mascot side of him as well that that personality just I think that's a great sort of thing that endears him with fans on every team he's been in but uh, one, one thing I'd like to point out, out about Brooke and it's actually I'm, I'm going to I'm not going to try and Point, push my argument anymore. It's, this is a compliment to Brooke. He's, he's averaging 20.7, which is tied for his career high. And he is playing a career low 26.7 minutes. It, so he's, he's become a much more efficient scorer. Um, so yeah, I still, I still pick Robin, but I just felt the need to point out that Brooke, uh, you know, Brooke's still a good scorer. Yeah, agreed. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, you could definitely put an argument for both. So, that answers that question. Um, but before we wrap up the show, is there anything else either of you two wanted to touch on before we uh, call it a day? Just shout out to Drew Holiday, really. Uh, welcome back. Nice to see. Yeah, it's great to have him back, obviously. It's, uh, he's been through not something that something no one would, would want to have to go through this summer, and he, he's come back without any training under his belt, and he's thrived instantly. I think that's really, really professional, and that's good to see. Yeah, it's, it's got to have been tough just not even, you know, both mentally and physically for him to have, have gone through that and then come back to what is a, a ma- well, a massively demanding job. And, you know, you're on the road a lot, so he's not going to get to see his, his wife and kid. Um, but yeah, fair, fair play to him. It's good to have him back. Well, on that note, welcome back, Drew. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, this has been the Double Clutch Podcast. Find us on social media, Facebook, and hashtag NBA in the UK on Twitter. Thank you very much for listening.